Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Stumptown Footies' Sam Svilar. Uh, hopefully I, I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, you got it. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Good, good, good. Well, Sam, uh, it's been not too long since we last talked Sounders Timbers. Uh, it was, you know, the Sounders actually, it was only a week ago or so that the, the Sounders, a little more than a week ago that the Sounders played the Timbers. And uh, I think we were surprised. I imagine you were surprised that game went quite as lopsided as it did. Uh, but it sounds, you know, I just read your column in Stumptown Footy and it sounds like maybe it wasn't quite out of out of left field as it may have seemed if you weren't paying close attention to the sound uh, to the timbers yeah i think both that that game was kind of i think the beginning of for me at least i think for a lot of timbers fans having a caught of kind of like some of the like warning signs we've been seeing for a lot of the season kind of coming home to roost um i think you know based upon looking at when you look at the underlying statistics of the timbers 21 so far they've been a mediocre to bad defensive team that has been opportunistic and has been maybe a little bit lucky with the goals that they've been scoring and with the goals that they've been stopping. And I think that that game, you know, last week against, against the Sounders was an example of when everything that could have gone wrong has been going wrong. And I think it was, we've seen it a couple of times before on the road, more than a couple of times, actually quite a few times when the Timbers play on the road, they're, you know, they're leading the league in three plus goal losses um, by, you know, it used to be by two game margin, now only by one. Thanks, FC Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that, that, that loss they had uh, to, uh, I think it was um, New England last week. Uh, now they have four, the Timbers still have five. Um, but I think, you know, you saw it on the road and I think seeing it happen at Providence Park was like, I think kind of a huge kind of like, all right, we're kind of seeing this is kind of like the end point of kind of like what it's all kind of been leading to. Um, and it was really discouraging and it was really dispiriting to see, you know, the Timbers teams under Giovanni Savarese have been defined with, you know, not the most attractive soccer, not like the most consistently, you know, strong teams, but a lot of, a lot of like organization grit, like, you know, they've, they've usually been at their best when they focus on counterattacking and being slightly more resolute in their defending. And it was really disappointing to just see a Timbers side that, you know, we've come to expect that from kind of show the exact opposite with, you know, skipping four goals in the second half and just kind of putting their heads down and sort of like wilting in what, you know, was probably the biggest game of the season up to that point. And I think for me as an outside observer, it's, it's been a little surprising in part, like you said, like the Giovanni Savarisi teams, it's not like he's a new coach. It's not like this is, you know, it's not like it's not a talented team, but they've always been competitive. They, you know, they, their record actually at Lumen Field is, 
is is sterling it's amazing uh yeah. this this rivalry uh, in case sounders fans have forgotten has gone completely backwards for the last four or five years where the timbers have been frankly dominant at lumen field and the sounders have been pretty dominant in at providence park uh the sounders i don't think have actually beaten the timbers at home since like 2015 or 16 i mean it's Maybe been 16, a yeah <laughs> it's been a long time though and the sounders you know the the game they played or the most recent game they played at at lumen field was a tie where the sounders needed uh, a 93rd minute goal from will bruin so the Timbers have not been, it's not like the Timbers have been bad over all this time. And it, and it does seem sort of out of character for them to have struggled in the way that they've struggled this year, which like you said, it seems like they're just, when, when things go bad for them, they go really bad and they yeah. steamroll. And we saw it again on the weekend where they went to Austin and they, they were down three zero at half and ended up being only three, one saving them that three goal loss that uh, team would be piling up. But, you know, they've given up 41%. I think this is a stat I got from yep. your story. 41% of Austin's goals uh, have come against the Timbers. They, they gave up three and they gave up four. This is a horrible offensive team, and they just have gotten absolutely shelled by Austin. Uh, but what do you – is there something that changed this year? Is it just the injuries? Is there – do you think there's something else going on here? Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the big question of what, what why has 2021 felt so just off – from all of the seasons past. And, you know, I think early in the season, it was very easy to point to the injuries and the absences, right? Like Sebastian Blanco was still working his way back from his ACL tear. Um, Yaroslav Nizgoda, the, the DP Ford also was rehabbing from his own injury, knee injury as well. Um, so, you know, it was really easy to point to those, point to absences as like, oh, kind of like a little bit disjointed, like, oh, they don't have the difference makers, you know, it's kind of tough. And I think it was very easy to, you know, point to some of those losses on the road just because, you know, winning on the road in MLS is hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think once, once you lose like that, it's like it kind of, you know, that kind of gets stuck in your head of like, ooh, this keeps happening. But it has, we've seen enough of it now, like what we're about two thirds of the way through the MLS season or so. And we've seen enough of this consistently to start to wonder, okay, it's more, maybe it's more than just, the absences it's more than just the injuries it's more than maybe just you know Diego Valeri being de designated to more of a you know more of a reserve player role for coming off the bench more often than he's starting um it, I think it's you know I, I kind of touched on this a little bit in my piece where there seems to be a consistent trend of just lack of organization lack of just kind of you know being alert to things especially defensively you know in the middle of the park that Portland's defensive rotations are too slow if they're even happening at all um, and I think it's, it's an, it's an open question at this point to wonder how much the Timbers are really buying into what the coaching staff, Giovanni Severese staff is really saying at this point in seasons past, he, he's been able to really kind of rally the team together, focus on defense first, right? During his first season, he made that surprise shift for shifting to the four, three, two, one formation, you know, focusing on counterattacking, and that gave the Timbers an identity. Um, I don't think they found an identity yet. In 2021, I think through just kind of changing of lineups, different of personnel, um, and maybe through a variety of different organizational and tactical messages that the team is getting, um, they haven't really found that set identity yet. And I think, you know, you're seeing it bear out in the very inconsistent performances. And all that said, it's not like the season is completely lost. Yeah. You know, this is a team that up until I think this week was in a playoff position. They were, so they're yeah, still... Yeah. 
And I mean, now I think they might are probably a win away from being back in a, in a playoff position. Uh, it's so it's not like the season is completely lost. And so I don't want to create a expectation or a, a feeling from, uh, from a Sounders perspective that this is going to be some sort of walkover for them because it's like, this is not a untalented team. This is not a team that doesn't know how to win. This is a, just a team that is seemingly hit a really bad stretch. And, and, you know, like, like you said, like the, it's interesting thing that the underlying numbers oftentimes tell you one of two stories. They either tell you that this team is going to come back to earth and start playing at the level that they've been like, the results are going to start reflecting the numbers or they're going to get better and, and, you know, change those numbers. Right. And it kind of can go either way. And I, I'm a little cautious about this one because this is a game that really could turn the Timbers season around. I mean, coming to Seattle, like I said, is not something that they are unaccustomed to doing and getting a big result. Uh, what is the mood around the Timbers coming into this game? Yeah, I, I think it would be one of the most ironically Timbers things ever to at this game where it's like the Timbers are like sliding off the cliff. They're going to play the same team at home that they just lost it to two and then pull off like a one nil victory or something right. along those lines. It, it would be very on brand for, for the Timbers, especially in the cyber racing era. Um, I, I think the general mood, I, I think you're right. There's still time left. Like as we've seen, as we've seen the Sounders do many times, right? Like you go on like a sustained run for a couple of weeks towards the end of the season, you start gaining some momentum, you start gaining some confidence, you gain an identity. That's really all you need to ride into the playoffs to be successful um, in MLS when you know you have more than half of the teams of the conference making the playoffs and the playoffs run for so long. The regular season is going for, you know, longer than usual this year. Um, the Timbers still have time. Um, it, that being said, I think, you know, I think there's kind of one of two moods kind of bouncing around within kind of like, you know, Timbers fandom in general from, from kind of what I've seen. One is kind of like, kind of waiting for like a train crash, kind of like you're like, oh, this probably isn't going to be pretty, but you're just kind of waiting for it. And at the same time, there is kind of this like dogged, just stubborn belief that it's like, this is the Timbers, gosh darn it. This is still the team that has Sebastian Blanco, that still has Diego Chara, that can still go on their day, go toe-to-toe with with anyone in in MLS. And it's worth saying too, even in that, you know, game that wound up being like, you know, six to two for about an hour, the Timbers were going toe to toe. Yeah. Seattle. One guy yeah, they're also the better team in the second half for the first 15 minutes or so. Um, so they still have that in them. So I think that's still giving this sense of like, maybe they can go and pull it off. Maybe they could go and, and show that they still kind of have that within them to, to be that like organized team that, you know, can be lethal on the counterattack and can like make the most of the chances that they have. Yeah, and uh, I should correct myself. It was as actually it was only back to 2017 that the Sounders last gotcha. won a game in uh, at home against Portland. But what I do think is an interesting parallel or potential parallel is in 2016 the Sounders went to Portland, got shelled uh, three to one by the by by Portland, and then just um, about less than a month later, and the Sounders were the season was completely spiraling out of control at that point. And then less than a month later, the Sounders came back and won the home leg of that one, which is to say that like these things can change pretty dramatically. Of course, they lost 4-2 uh, playing against the Timbers again. I mean, like these results, my point is like these results oftentimes sway wildly where it's like one yeah. week the Sounders get dramatically outplayed by the Timbers. The next week, the t- Sounders dramatically outplay the Timbers. Yeah, uh, it. 
It would I, not be crazy, I don't think, at all to see the Timbers come out and win this game 1-0 or whatever. Yeah, not at all. Like, I, I've learned pretty early on, at least in the MLS era of, of the rivalry, that when these two teams meet, you just kind of throw the seed, like, kind of put... It's a cliche, the, but true. It is, it is. You put the trends aside, but it's been proven with this team, like you just said. Like, there's just something about when these two teams play that it it's kind of exists in kind of, like, its own kind of world and its own kind of reality sometimes, and it has made for you know, surprising results like, in, in either way. Um, it, yeah, it's funny you bring that up, like, like in that season, because, you know, so often you can point to some of the most pivotal moments in Timbers kind of like history, like at large being games against the Sounders, like, yeah. kind of, you know, announced themselves in the playoffs in 2013 with that series, the 2018, you know, wild shootout like series, that was kind of like, a, okay, Giovanni Savarese can coach, like he can get this team up, up and moving. So, it, it'll be intriguing to see if, you know, maybe the, the combination of these two kind of games, you know, the one last week and then the one coming up this weekend, if either of them or one of them winds up being a pivotal moment for the Timber season in 2020 and also potentially for, you know, Sabarese's tenure with the Timbers. Yeah, so uh, we're, we'll probably talk about this more uh, on other shows that we do this week, but I did want to bring up the... I should acknowledge that this is going to be the second of a doubleheader between the Sounders and, or between Seattle teams and, and Portland teams. Uh, the first leg is going to be uh, rain thorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any like anticipation from the, th- like this is like the thorns have obviously played against the rain many, many times. They've played here many, many times. They have never played a game at, at Lumen field. Uh, they've never played in front of a road crowd that could potentially be, you know, depending on how how many people attend both games, it could be, you know, uh, an NWSL attendance record. It could be 30,000, 40,000 people there. Is there any sense of anticipation from the Thorn side that you're picking up going into this game? Totally. I think, you know, the Thorn season has been the inverse of the Timbers. It's been really consistent, really successful. They just won, you know, the women's, the, the WICC against uh, the Olympic Lyon. <laughs> oh, um, the parent club of yeah. <laughs> um, last weekend. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a team and they're just walking back now. Um, I think they actually play, you know, Wednesday, they're playing tonight and home. They'll be the first game back with all of the um, Olympians, the players who played at the Olympics kind of reintegrating into the squad. So uh, the Thorns have some confidence. And I think there is a major anticipation for this game, especially because of the way um, uh, the rain have been playing recently because you know the last time the rain were in portland they beat the thorns right um and now with you know the infusion of like all of the talent and the way that they're playing like i, I think this game has like a lot more like it, it's it's always competitive when these two teams play and i think this especially is like all right there's a definitely some strong anticipation here because of the way that these two teams are both kind of on kind of like a positive trajectory like you know the thorns are probably the strongest team in the NWSL at the moment um, and the rain have one of the most talented teams in the end of itself. So I, I think there's definitely a strong anticipation amongst Thorn fans. And I think it's, it's a lot more of, okay, let's see just how far along this Thorns team is. Like, are we really ready to start talking about them? Like running away with the league, potentially, you know, finishing first, you know, going into the playoff strong, or is there still, you know, maybe some things for them to work out before we can really kind of start to focus on postseason kind of like, you know, adding to that silverware cabinet potentially later in the year. Yeah. I would say that any Sounders fans that are at all on the fence about going to spend the entire day. And that's really what you're going to end up doing is spending the entire day (laughs) at Lumen field. I will 
say that this is a chance to see maybe the most talent. Like there is so much talent between these two teams. It is almost like watching an all-star game. Uh, you know, the, the thorns have been the class of the NWSL basically ever since they came in, they, the league started and they are again, one of the most talented teams. They're on an amazing run right now. Like you said, OL rain have uh, been very good up and down over the years, but they have an unreal amount of talent right now on that team. And it's, it's recognizable names. It's, it's players that are just kind of coming into their own. And then on top of that, they just got Laura Harvey back, who was the longtime uh, coach who had left to join at first uh, U.S. soccer and then was with uh, the Utah Royals. And Laura Harvey is back in charge this game. And she's someone who like absolutely embraces this rivalry. She loves everything about this. And it's it's really great for me to see because I, I know like one of my most uh, vivid memories of OL rain or rain thorns was back. in I think it was 2014 when the thorns came to Memorial stadium and there was something like, you know, three or 400 traveling uh, Portland fans and they were loud. They were really loud. They were, you know, probably the loudest people in the stadium. And after the game, Megan Rapino talked about how she was so excited just to hear like supporters chanting in Memorial stadium. And it's not because, you know, God bless the the Royal Guard, but they are not as loud as the Riveters. And uh, and it was and this is one of these games where we might actually hear uh, the rain getting supported by supporters in a way that they have been kind of like anticipating and hoping is going to happen. And I'm I'm really enthusiastic about this game. I hope people go to both games. Uh, and I and I think it's going to be two really, really intriguing games at the very least. Yeah, I, I think this could be a huge watershed moment for for the rain to kind of like, you know, where they do prove that like, hey, we can fill stadiums like with the best of them. Like, I think that's right. probably the biggest bonus that the Thorns have had in their NWSL, you know, tenure is that they play in Providence Park. Um, you know, it's a great, great stadium for fans. It's easy to create noise. The Riveters have, you know, been like part of the same organizing arm of, of the mm-hmm. So it's very easy to get, to get them organized. Um, and you could see like levels of that similar thing in, in Lumen Field like this weekend. I think it, it, it could be huge. Um, and I think, you know, even you mentioned Laura Harvey too, her coming back just like adds kind of like that extra, extra kind of layer of like, you know, a coach like really gets the rivalry. I remember, I think once uh, the Rain Butter back, I tweeted, I'm like, as an NWSL fan, I love this. As a Thorns fan, I hate this. Because <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, she's, she really has, I mean, the Rain have gotten some of their best results against the Thorns oh, under Harvey in the past. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is, it is, it is really fun. And I'm looking forward to, you know, one of the things that early on, I, I realized pretty early on was like, okay, so depending on how they account attendance in this thing, assuming it's tickets sold, like the, the rain are almost guaranteed to, to break the NWSL record. Right. But what I, I, I'm hoping that we have happen is it not be some sort of like, technically it's a record. What I really hope happens is that there's 30,000, 40,000 people in their seats for this first game. And so that assuming that is the, like it counts as a record that it can legitimately be called like, no, this was the most attended uh, NWSL match in history. Look at the crowd. It was there for the game. And I would like to think that, you know, the asterisk of a doubleheader aside, that this will uh, stand as a legitimately great showcase for uh, women's soccer, for the potential of rain, uh, but for the potential of the, the rain thorns rivalry, I'm, you know, I, I just think it, it, it has the potential to be a really, you know, great celebration of, of soccer in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad that it's going to potentially happen against the Portland 
uh, with two great games. So uh, we'll see yeah. how it works out. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be huge. I mean, you know, it, it could be like the, the high point of the season though so far for both yeah and and mls like basically right. you know i think just the energy the narratives everything that are going into the game and i think that like you know the atmosphere you're right like could be like you know they're already electric like in their own right the fact that yep. it's double header the fact that can you know the narratives that are going into this i think definitely contributes to that all the more absolutely well sam uh i appreciate you taking the time to do this where can people follow you on on twitter yeah um so i uh any of my writing stuff you can find on something on footy um on twitter i am at sandwich 923 s-a-m-m-i-c-h 923 um i like spouting medium to semi-hot sports takes on there so if you're into that sort of thing awesome awesome well sam uh i know you're not going to be able to make it up for this weekend but hopefully you get up here when it's uh safe and 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 we can do this again and hopefully this is a like an annual thing that we are uh, doing these double header type things and yeah, it would, would be great it. if it was always against Portland <laughs> <laughs> I would like, yeah, I would love it, would love to see it alright, well thanks a lot and uh, we'll catch you next time yeah, thank you so much, appreciate it